Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, meanwhile, in other news, after well over a decade of talking about this, reviewing all of this, the federal government is moving forward on the purchase of armed drones. Actually, the Royal Canadian Air Force uh, looking to make that purchase within the next six years. They've been working to identify, buy a fleet uh, of these uh, these drones. In an interview with the Canadian press, Air Force Commander Lieutenant General Al uh, Meitzinger said he is confident... Uh, that this is about to move forward after the Trudeau government officially approved the purchase of a fleet of armed UAVs through its defense policy. So why do we need armed drones? How are these going to be deployed? What kind of rules are going to exist around these devices? And is this the future of warfare? Is this the future of air defense? Well, joining us uh, for some thoughts, very pleased to welcome to the program here this afternoon, uh, Professor Craig Martin, uh, who's with uh, Washburn University School of Law, former Canadian Forces Naval Officer, also a graduate of the Royal Military College of Canada, wrote an article about this um, just a couple of months ago, in fact, uh, for the Canadian Global Affairs Institute. Uh, Professor Martin, thanks for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Well, thank you very much for having me. When we talk about armed drones or these UAVs, as they're often referred to, help us understand what it is specifically we're talking about. Uh, well, there's a there's a range of, of different uh, platforms, but the ones that are most well-known, I guess, are the so-called Reaper and Predator drones that the United States has used primarily in its targeted killing uh, programs in both what I would call traditional, traditionally defined armed conflicts like Afghanistan and Iraq, uh, as well as more ambiguous situations like Yemen, the, um, some of the areas within Pakistan, Somalia, where the United States is not a, a traditional belligerent in an armed conflict and which raises a whole host of other legal questions. Uh, and just, I guess, to, to round out the answer to the question, the drones have some unique Characteristics. I mean, they can fly at about fifty thousand feet. They can they can persist for hours over over a target area, gathering intelligence. They're operated from tens of thousands of miles away. The United States typically operates their drones from Nevada. Um, you know, so you have this bizarre, uh, somewhat bizarre uh, concept of drone pilots flying operations from within a trailer in Nevada and then being home with the wife and kids that evening for a barbecue. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a very different kind of, of, of warfare in a sense. The, the operators of the drones are not themselves subject to any risk, uh, which has both advantages and disadvantages uh, um, for, from a whole host of different perspectives. Right, and just to be clear, we're, we're talking about uh, drones that are operated by somebody on the ground. We're a long way off from talking about uh, autonomous drones, right? Yeah, that, and that's a fundamentally important distinction. So, I mean, the drones we're talking about are operated, and they're not operated just by, so there's a pilot and a co-pilot, so to speak, operating, in a, as I said, in a trailer in Nevada. There's typically an intelligence team uh, that's operating at a, a completely different location, as, as well as another targeting uh, assistance team. So there's often three teams operating together. They're often in different countries but they're all uh, linked um, uh, by, in a number of different ways, and they're working together 
in the gathering of intelligence, analyzing the intelligence, and then targeting, uh, if there is going to be a, a targeting operation, they work together in targeting <clears throat> the, uh, the individuals on the ground. This is completely different from an autonomous weapon system in which the uh, drone is operating on its own and artificial intelligence is operating to make the determination as to whether a target is a legitimate target and making the decision to fire. And so that's, that's not the kind of system that Canada is currently right. contemplating. And that, that autonomous weapon system uh, raise a whole host of other very complicated legal issues. Oh, sure. Uh, but even this, though, is a significant change, isn't it? Well, I mean, it's a change for Canada. Um, and I guess, the, you know, the reason that I had written the article asking some questions about it is that the, the, the armed forces and the government have yet to really explain why it is that Canada needs armed drones, or more importantly, like what role the armed drones are going to play, uh, in what context, in what ty- types of circumstances does Canada foresee deploying drones, and then what limitations are going to be placed on the use of these drones, like what are the rules of engagement going to be, and none of this has really been explained. And, and it's an, these are important questions, in my view, because if we look at how armed drones have been used by other countries, they've been typically used in targeted killing operations. And Canada you know, has not engaged in targeted killing operations. And, and by targeted killing, uh, I'm referring to two related concepts. One is, is in which, uh, you know, typically the United States, the United Kingdom has engaged in this as well will use a drone or some other uh, other targeting platform to target a, a identified individual who is on a kill list. The United States, uh, a number of different agencies in the U.S. government control different kill lists where people have been placed and identified as sort of what are called high-value targets in al-Qaeda or ISIS or some other uh, insurgent or terrorist organization. And based on intelligence gathered in advance, they've been identified to be at a particular location at a particular time, a drone will be sent in, and that person will be killed with a, a missile fired from the drone. Uh, a somewhat different form of the targeted killing program is what are called signature strikes. And this is where the drone is operating over a particular area and the video feed from the drone is analyzed and intelligence decisions are made in real time that the people on the ground that are being observed from the drone uh, have certain identifiers. They, they are carrying weapons. They are in a particular area. They, have, they, they satisfy certain criteria or signatures whereby an inference is made that these are insurgents, uh, members of a, an insurgent group or a, a, an armed group engaging in, in hostilities against the United States or whoever it is and that therefore they are targetable and a decision may be made to target them and to fire a missile. And so it's a a real-time targeting decision. Right. So the the significance may lie not necessarily in in the technology we're acquiring, but the manner in which we're going to use it, that if indeed this is for targeted killing, then that represents a a policy change on the part of the government. Well, that's right. And, And this is why, you know, so... When the decision was made in 2017, or the decision was publicized in 2017, that Canada was contemplating purchasing armed drones, uh, I think the Chief of Defence Staff, General Vance, at the time, uh, made some, what I would characterize as somewhat glib comments that, you know, Canada was not going to engage in, in sort of 
black ops assassinations and that this was just a, a, another weapon system and would be used like any other weapon in accordance with the laws of armed conflict. But you know, different weapons uh, implicate the laws of armed conflict in different ways and different weapons suggest particular uses. Uh, and so, you know, if Canada is, if we look at the armed conflicts that Canada has been recently engaged in in Afghanistan and to some extent in Syria, um, Canada is involved in a non-international armed conflict against the Taliban in Afghanistan. It might, for example, require uh, air cover for infantry on the ground. Drones do not typically provide that kind of power projection. That's not what they're designed for. They don't carry large uh, ordinances. Their missiles are, are small, have a very small blast radius. They, are, they were designed for targeted killing. Uh, and have been used almost exclusively for targeted killing or intelligence gathering, but that's not the armed aspect of the drones. Right. Um, and so, you know, this is a weapon system that raises the question, what is Canada planning to use them for and what kind of armed conflict are they planning to use them in? Uh, and if it's going to be something along the lines of targeted killing, that should require a conversation as well as, uh, in my view, some transparency and accountability on the part of the government in explaining what rules of engagement, what limitations are going to be placed on these weapon systems. Right. Because I, I should yeah. add, I mean, just to, 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 to tie that off, um, people should understand that the, the targeted killing program of the United States and the United Kingdom have come under a great deal of criticism precisely because it's argued that they violate a number of fundamental principles of the international law of armed conflict. There are, you know, disproportionate numbers of civilians who have been killed in these targeted killing campaigns for reasons that are complicated. Um, and there has been a lack of transparency and accountability with the programs of the United States. And therefore, if Canada is getting into this game, uh, it raises questions that, you know, and there should be a debate at least. And, and therefore, in order for us to have a debate, the government needs to provide some preliminary answers as to what is the role that they, they plan for these drones, uh, how do they plan to use them, in what context, and under what rules. Right. The, the, this needs to be transparent, right? This needs to be very public, that the public deserves to know about this. Well, and, and you know, as you, as you know, as you, as you indicated in your intro, uh, I think it was just yesterday or two days ago, the Air Force has announced that, that, that they are now proceeding and that this looks like it's a, 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 um, a, you know, a, a plan in motion to purchase these drones. So there's been disclosure of the purchase, but there's been absolutely no discussion on the part of either the Armed Forces or in the Department of National Defense or the government um, with more detail as to like what role, why do we need these drones? I mean, leaving aside the, the, the cost issue, which is you know, not an irrelevant issue, uh, like why it is we need these. But, I mean, if, if there is a, a policy imperative that suggests that we should have these, that should be explained. And, and once we have that explanation, we can start to drill into, well, is this the best platform for that purpose? And does trying to use drones for that purpose raise some, some you know, difficult international law issues that need to be discussed and debated? And we can't really have that debate right now because we're, we're act, operating in a vacuum. All we know is we're buying drone, uh, armed drones and not much more than that. Yeah, indeed. Well, uh, we'll see how it plays out from here. Professor Martin, appreciate you making some time for us here today. Thanks for this. Well, thank you very much for All having right. me. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.